0: This Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome everyone. Today, I'm joined by Linda van der and together we are recording part two of our State of Learning and Development podcast series. Today, Linda and I will be focusing in on the L&D skills crisis and what the core skills needed by L&D practitioners actually are, so really looking at it from a very practical perspective in terms of where perhaps L&D may be needing to really upskill themselves or maybe where we're starting to still get it a little bit wrong. So welcome Linda.
1: Hello Karen, good to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: Good to have you back. So let's kick off with starting at, are L&D practitioners adequately skilled for the role they need to play within hybrid organizations?
1: The short answer is no, and the long answer is definitely not. And and I think if we look at the the, the concept of skilled, they're skilled to do their jobs. Are they skilled, potentially, to do their jobs in terms of the demand of work now and the demand of business now and the demands of, of future skills? I think there's some traditional skills that L&D folks are probably going to need to to lose or dial down and certainly dial up more future-fit type skills, if if I call it that, in the space of L&D. And the, the research is certainly showing that as well. So yes, I, I'm not sure that we sufficiently skilled as L&D folks. I also think they talk about hybrid organizations, but the hybrid organization is, is one thing. And we're seeing here in South Africa that hybrid comes with a whole lot of complexities as well people not going, wanting to go back to work, complexities around cost of travel, and now having to go and buy work clothes and things like that. That's not LD's problem in my mind. LD's issue is if we go hybrid and you've got a classroom full of people and you're working online and you've got a, a facilitator working with it in a team or a Microsoft or Microsoft Teams or a Zoom, how does L&D adjust to that hybrid component? And so I think we've got to be very clear around hybrid and the issues that come with working hybrid are not l ds problem, but l ds problem is having to make sure that learning is delivered in a way that is hybrid. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, and I think we're seeing that struggle because as, as L&D, we have never been particularly good at at constructing learning journeys that that sufficiently incorporates both synchronous and asynchronistic components we we mm. have predominantly adopted very either all models so either it's mostly delivered in classroom or it's completely delivered online but we haven't been able to really find that blend and i think that is for me one of the skills that stand out from yeah. LD is to move away from content creation but more to that ability to actually map that learning journey and and comprise that journey of a great blend of the synchronous and asynchronous components. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and I think that that's certainly my reflection as well. Blend in the old days used to be okay. You're going to be two hours online, and then you're going to sit for two days in the classroom, and that was kind of blend in mm. the old days. But the blend now is is reality. Blend is. In a classroom, online, it's it's actually a it's a big blend. It's a schmuzzle. I know that's probably not a decent word to put on a podcast, but it's a real mixed bag of what it is. Blend used to be very traditional. You could structure a blended learning program, and that was like topical and trending. Now, blend is really a mixed bag of things. But to your question around skill sets, and there's an art and there's a science doing that firstly, and I secondly think one of the, the big things that NND folks are going to need to be very clear about and very adept to is agility, the thinking on your feet, making changes on the fly. I'm not sure that we all in that headspace space at the moment.
0: Absolutely, because it, it does, I mean, it comes with its own challenges. From a practitioner's perspective, you want to be able to plan, you want to be able to deliver, and you want to be able to to tick those things off your schedule. When we're introducing this fluctuating environment and needing to react quickly, a lot of us are still bogged down in that need to create content heavy courses. And that's essentially where the time goes or where the time is spent. So, essentially, what I'm thinking is LD practitioners, we need to rethink the way people learn in terms of providing less content more activities to them, things that allow us to be more agile. But certainly our current learning design principles don't really enable that. Yeah, and I think the time
1: that we spend spending creating content should be more time spent curating. So finding content, connecting dots, putting in activities that connect dots between content versus developing content. It's a, the content is completely democratised. You, you you go and Google anything, you will find something on it. Exactly. Um, and then the argument is, well, it's not company specific and it doesn't look like our our organization. That's also fine. That's where you're agile. That's where you mm. put your blend in. No, so you put your own nuance on a generic mm. piece of content. And that that ability to curate, that that ability to, to always be scanning. That ability to stay on top of what's happening in your business, in terms of skill sets required, etc., are key skills that that LND folks have. And I think people know it. I don't think people don't know it. I, I do also think, though, that the time taken to develop content, by the time that content is ready, unless you're doing it on the fly with an iPhone using a video SME, videoing an SME at the time. By the time you've developed the content, it's it's going to be outdated. We just don't have those quick development mechanisms. So, yes, yeah, it's, we're, it's, we're in an interesting space as l in terms of our skill set.
0: Absolutely. So when you look into the hybrid organization and, and what we've spoken about, kind of the shift needed by l practitioners, could you summarize perhaps what are the top skills that they're <laughs> needing to do? So, you know, Karen, we've done, I'm actually working
1: with a client at the moment on this. And and there's there's a lot of work done, particularly by Josh Burson, around evolving L and D roles. And then with EdCast, when they did the LHI, we came up with a, a concept of eight transformer skills. That and, and in the in the report we said L&D need, but more and more it's it's not actually L and D. It's anyone in the HR professional, it's anyone in the employee experience profession needs those skills. So you you'll see a lot of research will tell you learning experience designer so so the role would be a learning experience designer and in order to develop those experiences you need to be able to have an element of strategy so you've got to understand the decisions that need to be made in order to deliver to deliver and develop that that experience There's a very strong call at the moment around learning folks understanding marketing, understanding the ability to market and and pick up trends and and the marketing concepts in order to promote and influence your content on online platforms. And then the obvious one around data and data science and, and data and the story it's telling you. So those are some of the key skills. But I mean, I can go into a lot of detail in terms of what I think are transformer skills that peeps are going to really need to get their heads around in order to be professional L&D professionals.
0: Absolutely. I think, please, yes, go into some detail around those.
1: So, okay. So, so if you look at some of the roles, so if we're talking about roles, you're looking at a learning experience designer, you're looking at somebody who is a content curator, you're looking at a performance consultant, and I know that sounds like, oh, we've, we've always been doing performance consulting. You're looking at a role called influencer. So we, we're working with a client at the moment, and that we have crafted a role called a learning experience platform influencer. That's left field in terms of having to position that, but the role this person plays is, is promotion on the platform, and it's not promotion like a, an SEO promotion. It's Promoting people, looking at data, looking at trends, and then giving, feeding that back to the L&D folks so that they can agilely shift and change and ad- adjust their programs. Data scientist is a big role that's coming through, the technologist, so who owns the technology in the world of learning. The other thing that is we're seeing, and I'm seeing this trend now in a particular retail client, is this concept of a change maestro. And I know these are not traditional L and D roles, but that's where it's going. What, what's happening with these roles is we're taking some of the old traditional skill set that L and D have or capability that L and D have and just shifting them into a new world of hybrid and digital work.
0: You've spoken around a little bit about the roles. So how do you typically see the everyday world of the LD practitioner changing? So what are they going to on a day-to-day? basis how do they function differently
1: if it was me and a day in the life of i would start by spending the first two hours of my day looking at my data my learning data what's it telling me who's learning what are they learning aligned to strategy are they learning skills that are relevant and going to keep them relevant how much time are people spending on on the learning platform are they connecting with each other? Do we believe they're in the right roles? Are they learning for the roles that they're in? I would spend a, a huge amount of time on data and a, a day in the life of, of if I was an l practitioner in business. The other piece that I would be doing is, is having a lot more conversations with business and my business stakeholders on, on the story the data is telling us, right? Mm-hmm. And is the data telling us a story that will give them sufficient skills for the work that's going to need to be done in the future i would also spend a lot of time understanding my business strategy and understanding what's influencing the ecosystem in that strategy so in other words are we moving from an on premise system to a platform system are we moving from from being a, a telco to a finco and understand that strategy deeply And then I would spend a lot of time looking at what I used to call knowing my learner. So who are the learners in my world that I that I'm influencing and that I need to shape their learning journeys on and deeply understanding their world in order to make sure that they are learning what business needs for future in the future and what business needs now. So i would spend a lot of time doing the science and getting that data in order to have a conversation around science. And then the art of it would be I would spend a lot of time doing research and I certainly spend a lot of time looking for content or going through content that I believe is going to enable my business and curating content. I would not spend a lot of time developing content. And then my third in the rest part of the day, I'd look at how am I going to market this? So how am I going to make sure that? the right people on the right program at the right time doing the right thing. And yeah, I know it sounds, it sounds really odd, but that's typically how I'd, I would do it. I would not be going through emails of people saying, please book me on this course or please book me on that course. Those days are gone in my view.
0: Absolutely. And Linda, give us a bit of insight. So what would you recommend? If we're speaking to an L&D practitioner that doesn't have maybe perhaps a lot of influence over the structure and function of the the L&D department, but they want to adapt to this new way of working. Where do they start? How can they start shifting or driving change in their own world? How do they understand where their biggest gaps are and what role they would like to play in of this future L&D organisation? Yeah, that's a good question. the LHI, when I do this exercise
1: with clients, we start with an exercise going, okay, if these are the transformer skills... Map them on a piece of paper or map them wherever you want to in Excel. Look at what you're currently doing in your role on this. So firstly, understand them. Look at what you're currently doing in your role and and give it a percentage. Then give it a priority in terms of researching, finding out more, finding a mentor, finding a coach in your organization, and then put your own learning plan in place to actually develop those skills. And through that process, I can guarantee you that people's performance will shift. So it's, it's very much eating your own dog food in terms of put your own development plan in place, starting with what am I currently doing? What I need to stop doing, what I need to stop doing, what I need to research and give yourself a time on how much you am going to do what I win. It's a self-development plan. We expect learners to put their plans. We expect people to be self-directed, goodness me. If we're not ambassadors for that as L and D practitioners, then something's wrong. Absolutely. Does that give you an idea, Karen?
0: Absolutely. And I think that's I think that's some great advice is is to sit down and, and really look at those transformer skills. And I know we have a an article published on Talent Talk specifically on transformer skills, is also by yourself but also perhaps to reach out to you directly if anybody's looking for a, a good place to start. Linda, you were giving us some examples, of organizations where you are currently doing work in terms of, of shifting this culture. Can you give us a little bit more insight, perhaps? The shift starts with, in a lot of instances,
1: the shift has started with a technology investment to deliver learning. And it doesn't have to be a big, massive, expensive investment at all. It could be a digital library. But the shift starts there because suddenly the world of learning is a little bit different. And I know most organizations have that in play. So then what we're starting to see is when people are looking at the data and looking at is learning taking place or are you giving reports in terms of what learning has taken place, are people learning the right skills for the organization to be future-fits? Suddenly we start to realize that maybe some of the skill sets are not sufficient. It's more proactive role in organisations versus a reactive role. So we're proactively working with people, saying if you're going to go this route of putting in this technology, these are typically the role shifts you're going to see. And to be honest, Karen, you're going to see some organisational shifts as well. So structure shifts. Typically, organisations will create, and the ones that I'm working create a small team who sits at a group level that does the data, does the governance, does the assurance, makes sure that the curation is on track and on point, certainly upskills the L&D folks as well. So it's really dependent on the client where to start, but if you start to look at the data and you tie the, the learning data to the business strategy, often the discon- there's disconnect. And then learning realized the L and D folks realize, hmm, okay, we maybe need to do things differently. And do we have the right skill sets? Mm. I run a session with another client of mine on Power BI for L D. And for me, Power BI is like should be like picking up your cell phone if you're an L and D person. If you're not using Power BI to look at your data instantaneously at the push of a button and you're still trying to pull Excel into PowerPoint, mm. there's a problem. So those kind of skills or some something like that happens should happen by default, not by design.
0: Absolutely. Linda, and last question, because we're nearly out of time for today, but in terms of how L and D will be measured, what do we see the biggest shift shifts happening? Oh look I
1: think they I think there's a few things here and and i one of the things I'm certainly starting to see in, in one particular client is L and D are being measured on how they fill the skills gap. With the head count, and and for me that's a measurement that measurement sits with resourcing. So the the business says, then we need two hundred data engineers, and make it LND's problem. we essentially, I need to find the heads. We're well, resourcing need to find the heads. LND will skill the heads up. Mm. So. I think we, we l and folks are going to have to be very clear that where they want to be measured on what, firstly, and where I think people will need to start being measured, and certainly seeing this in one of my biggest clients, which is a, a bank is how quickly are we closing the skills gaps required to make the organisation future fit? And, and not future fit, futures now. So how quickly are we closing the skills gaps on data science, coding, platform, those kind of things? That's my sense of where the measurements are going to be. No longer bums on seats, not at all. And the other thing where l is going to be measured is in the space of, of leadership and leadership transition, learning culture, those types of things.
0: That's fantastic. I think finally getting to see learning linked to, to organizational performance is quite an exciting yeah. point to be at. Yeah. So looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. Linda, I've so enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm looking forward to part three where we raise up our view a little bit and start looking at how organizations themselves strive for transformation within L&D and how they become, I suppose, how we shift towards becoming more learning-centric organizations.
1: It's a pleasure, Karen. Thanks for having me. I hope it's useful and I hope it made sense.